Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to The Witching Hour. Yes, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I have some very special magic for you today. I have Sean D. Austin. Yes, paranormal investigator, demonologist, medium, and singer-songwriter. You are going to love him like I do. But before we bring on Sean, where's Patty? Because you know I got to look because I have a confused brain sometimes. If you are watching this or listening in the week we first drop, which is the week of Monday, April 17th, 2023, I'm at home for a few more days, but I am leaving. I am leaving. I will be at Spirits in the Spring in Broadhead, Wisconsin, with all sorts of amazing people. My partner in Paraflix, Natalie Jones, and just amazing paranormal people from all over. It's a great paracon and a great fundraiser. So check out Spirits in the Spring. I will be there. And as soon as I get back, I'm going to unpack, repack, and head off for Bisbee, Arizona. Yes, it's a haunted getaway. It's little. It's intimate. It's it's a tiny little haunted hotel in Bisbee, Arizona, and we're going to go on investigations and seances. And again, just a small group because that's all it holds. So if you want a nice, intimate, not big thing, check out Bisbee, Arizona. I'm so excited. So all that is on my social media or on my website at pattynegri.com. And for those of you not ready to travel or even before that, um, if you are here in town, I have my regular class on Wednesday. Um, this week I am doing psychic development, a one-off class, because I'm actually getting ready to do a full series. But if you want a taste of what that is, or just a one-off as a one-off, I'm doing psychic development and dream work. So this Wednesday, go to universitymagicus.com or magicu, letter U, dot org. And I would love to see you in a little Zoom square. It's really fun. It's really safe. It's really affordable. That's how we designed our school. Um, and then coming up, I have a couple other fun classes that I'm doing. I'm doing a, a school seance. For a lot of you who can't get to my live seances or even my smaller ones, this is very affordable too. I'm doing a seance night. I'm doing a readings night. And then you can get the two together for an even discounted price. So all sorts of stuff coming up and you don't even have to leave your living room. And also Wednesday the 19th, if you're watching this by then, as well as my class on psychic development, you don't want to miss the Witch's Movie Coven. That's at six o'clock Pacific, nine o'clock Eastern. It's fun. It's witches talking about witches and it's live. So you guys get to participate. We have a chat room going. We talk to you. We want your opinions. We want everything else that's going on to it. So please, Heather Green, Courtney Buckley, Jason Mankey, and Richard Leal Lillard and I all talk witch movies. We don't agree on anything or rarely agree on anything, but we want your opinion too. So Witches Movie Coven on my YouTube, on my social media. And that is right before my class. And of course, this witching hour, you could find everywhere you get podcasts um, on audio and video, of course, on my YouTube page and on my network, paraflix.com. And if you think you've already seen everything on Travel Channel and Discovery, which I love, go to paraflix.com. We have 90% new content that you probably haven't seen before, some really great shows and podcasts. So you have your week cut out for you. And one more thing I am so excited about, my newest launch, my newest product. I've been talking about this for a long, long time, and it is finally coming to fruition, Patty's 
power panties. Yep, magical panties with a spell attached and magical attributes that you put with into the panties. We have them for love. We have them for success. We have them for passion. We have them for health and wealth and everything we want. And just claim that you are a witch from the skivvies on up. So go to mysterycontrol.com. I've got a whole line of t-shirts and hoodies and mugs and cloaks and Patty's power panties. Again, any of you who've worked with me for years now, I always, what color underwear are you wearing? Put that power into the underpants. They're so important. The most important thing you put on your body. So might as well make them magical. So mysterycontrol.com. And while you're there, besides going over to my, um, my spellcrafter page or my Patty's power panties, Again, go to Witch's Movie Coven and you could have Witch's Movie Coven blankets and cloaks and mugs, all sorts of things to match us there too. So from the panties on up, we're going to dress you. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> By the yawn, you can tell what time it is. It is time for the Willow Report. Yes, this sleepy little baby. What you been doing, Willow? I'll tell you, the Willow Report this week is really, really fun. Last week, I think I told everybody about her being a cover girl. Yes, yes, indeed. She is on the cover of this month's K9 magazine, um, a picture of us together, and inside a many, many page article. Um, and lots more pictures of my little princess. She did so good on her first professional photo shoot since she was eight weeks old. But today's Willow Report isn't about the canine magazine. It's about that Willow, for the very first time, has her first influencer swag. You know, when you're kind of in the public eye, sometimes they want to send you things so they can show your things on camera. Well, when I posted about the canine magazine last week, I tagged Wiener Schnitzel because I was talking about the Wiener Dog races, the Wiener Nationals, um, and how she was going to race again this year, which is a July 16th. If you're in Southern California, see Willow Run. Anyway, so I tagged Wiener Schnitzel because I was talking about the races and her high hopes. Anyway, I got a social media message saying, thanks for the Wiener Schnitzel love. We would like to send you a thank you gift. She got her first swag. Yes, she got hats. She got, we got skull caps with wiener schnitzel on it. We got lanyards. And best of all, Willow has her very own, the delicious one. He's known as TDO in circles in the end, the delicious one, the wiener schnitzel mascot. She's been playing with it since it arrived yesterday afternoon. So Willow's got her first influencer swag. I'm such a proud mama. Do you like your toy, Willow? Do you like your toy? Yes, I do. And she's even let little Grace lay on it once in a while. She shares. That's the Willow Report. <laughs> Hi, everybody. For this week's magic class, we are actually going to talk about dowsing rods. Yes, my favorite form of divination. It truly, truly is. Um, if you've watched me for very long, you've seen me use dowsing rods on ghost adventures. You've seen me use dowsing rods with the overnight crew. You've seen me watch them on everything from Jack Osborne to YouTubers across the world because they're my favorite tool. Um, now, for those of you who don't know what they are, they're just literally, as a rule, two pieces of metal with a handle. They've been around forever. You can't control them. Um, 
contractors use them to find water lines. You can go to the desert to find water. Um, the normal way is they cross on yes and not on no. Like everybody watching, you are literally in my living room in Hollywood right now. No. You are watching me electronically. Yes. That's simple they are. They will point to spirits and they will point to ghosts. Um, you could, they're very inexpensive. Or you can make your own, actually. I've seen them made with wire hangers. So they don't have to cost you a lot. Now, my favorite ones, which I'm going to work, because I do do so much work in the dark, light-up ones. These are my favorite ones. Um, the maker, they come in colors, purple and green and pink and red. And believe me, spirits tell me what color they like. I will say, well, let's put on purple. And then I hear this ghost going, no, 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 I don't like purple. I want red. I'm a Red Sox fan. Okay, we're going to go with your baseball team then. Um, but people, when I hand them to them, they don't kind of, they, they start flying all over. And I'm so many of you who've worked with them, all of a sudden you hand them a dowsing rod and there's like two whirly gigs and you're going, don't put your eyes out. Don't put their eyes out. Don't put your dog's eyes out. Because to me, the one thing besides the divination and the guidance, which they give you, they're a really good meditative thing. Because when you first handle dowsing rods, you have to relax. Um, now, a lot, they work very similar to, say, a pendulum, whether you're holding your necklace or something, a pendulum or any other divination method. But I like these better because I have wiggly fingers. With a pendulum, it's like I'm... I move more than I want to move. The dowsing rods, I don't. I take all the energy out of my fingers, out of my hands. So when you first have it, even if they're swinging around in circles, hold on, breathe, and relax, and you will get to get them really still because you need them still. So again, it's really great meditation process. My way of holding them is hold them as light as you can. Hold them so they're not pointing down too much. They're not pointing up too much and that they won't hit each other when they cross. Like, um, I'm wearing a Santa Claus suit. No, I'm not. Um, I'm wearing black. Yes, I am. But see how they don't cross each other? They just go right past each other. So I highly recommend them for people who want to use either, should I turn left or turn right, go here. And they also work so good with seances because it gives you a visual for people to see and for paranormal investigation. They literally will point to where the spirits are, to where the portals are. And I've been using them for years. Like right now, I'm going to tell you over to my right, whichever way you're looking, is, yes, you're pointing already, is the spirit in my house. Her name is Adrienne. She's a French artist. She died here in 1998. We moved in in 2001 and she was still in residence. So um, right now, Adrienne, are you here in this room with me? Yes, cross on yes. Adrian, where are you right now? Right over there, points right to the right. And it's really amazing and people will be amazed if you've got your paranormal team with you or you're just on your own working with one-on-one, -on -one, how accurate they can be as soon as you learn to relax and get your own self out of the way. Because again, harder to cheap than like say with the pendulum, but you really have to relax into it. Take deep breaths. You will feel the energy going. And would everybody out there like dowsing rods? <laughs> the rods say yes. 
And again, bonus is you get to learn how to just do two seconds, how to relax, how to relax. Again, mostly they're not light up, but I love the light up. Um, but you can get cheap ones and expensive ones. My one thing about um, if you use them a lot, some of them are very thin, like a lot of people like copper. I like copper, but some if I've had some really thin ones, I bend things. It's the energy. It's not like it's bent in my bag. I just bend things. So these are cheap and really sturdy. So have, have these done me well? Yes, they have. I actually tested them for almost an entire year on sports teams because I'm not a sports person. So it would be like every day in the paper, my husband reading the paper and it would be like, Dodgers versus the Yankees and the rods would say who's going to win and my husband would say they're not going to win they haven't won a game in three years and they're a horrible team and I'd say but that's what the rods say and I was the one always right yeah so I'm not saying to use them for gambling because I don't think they'll work that way but they're really good for divination they're really good to leading you towards portals towards active areas and investigations and to find lost keys can you find lost keys yes you can that's dowsing rods. Check them out. Divining rods, dowsing rods, metaphysical stores, occult stores, online, of course. The almighty Amazon has many kinds, but check them out or make your own. That's today's magic. Sometimes we need a few tools. Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the witching hour. Yes, the hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I have a wonderful guest. We get to know him together. Let me introduce you to Sean D. Austin. You're probably going to recognize him from television, from the shows um, 28 Days or all sorts of amazing things. I probably said that wrong, but he is a medium. He is a demonologist. He is a paranormal investigator, author, and singer-songwriter. So he has lots to bring us. So let me just introduce you. Welcome, Sean. Thank you so much for coming to my show, to my little witches hour. Yay, thank you. No, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here and chat with you. Oh, that is great. So tell me a little bit about, so for those who may or have not seen 28 Days Haunted, very popular show. Um, now, the different than most shows, because we, we all do lots of different shows where you go into a place and then you leave and then you go into a place and then you leave. You maybe have a three or four day shoot day. You guys really were into a place for 28 days, right? Oh, yeah. And the, the funny thing is that I kind of had a little bit of experience of some of the sort of, of that because I've been on investigations where I've stayed in a haunted location for a long period of time. Uh, I've been in, in like a dark place like the Bel Air house in Ohio for seven days straight. I've stayed in places investigated, but yeah, mind you, you have opportunity to go out and have social interactions with your, with your friends and be escaped from that energy. Like now this is like totally a different ball game. I mean, we have no phone, no TV, no internet, no contact to the outside world. And anything that I knew, was on that property. I literally compared it, as I always say on, on any of these interviews I've been doing, it's just, it felt like comparable to like a prisoner because all you know is the, the cell, the cafeteria and the yard outside. I mean, I knew every single corner uh, of that property probably by heart for the rest of my life because it was just all I knew. It's all I knew every single day, seven days a week um, on top of, you know, the energies that were there. And of course, being sensitive to that energy things progress and it really gives you an opportunity to 
have extraordinary paranormal experiences, which I ended up having. That's amazing. Now, the whole 28-day thing, that, that's based on um, Ed and Lorraine Warren theory, correct? Yes, I believe it was some sort of cycle, 28-day uh, cycle theory that came up from the Warrens. And obviously, I think if you don't know, it has some sort of potential, I'd say most likely connectivity to the most famous haunted house story in America is the Amityville Horror uh, because the Lutz family, after they moved in, after the DeFeo family were uh, tragically murdered by their son, um, you know, the Lutz family were there for 28 days and they left all their furniture behind, just got up and left. And I think, and maybe in Ed's mind, I'm the theorizing here that probably based it off this perfect storm of, of paranormal activity with, a, with an example of a family moving into a home and being there for a certain amount of time and watching the stages increase after being there for that long period of time. Um, but mind you, uh, we weren't just living there. We weren't just living there. We were talking, communicating, engaging in spirits all day, every day. I mean, it was just, it's a whole different ballgame. And I don't even think the Warrens were even thinking of some doing something like that. <laughs> yeah, no, that is, I can't, I even, I can't even imagine that. Um, I actually think that probably, because I know in psychology, I am not a therapist, psychologist, but I I play one on TV. No, um, but I know there is something to do about that number of time that psychologically does something to you too. Like you can create a, ha a habit. It takes like 28 days or plus or minus a day or two to create a habit or to break a habit. So it must be some energetic psychological thing as well. So I think they're putting together that the whole paranormal thing along with the basic human psychology. So I bet you it was wild. So you mm -hmm. being a pair of, seasoned paranormal investigator and a medium. Um, how did that come together? When did you discover that you had the gift of sight? Um, it was within the, it, to be honest with you, I think it was just like a flip of the switch from my first experience in the paranormal. I think the ability was dormant there, which I think it is. I mean, obviously we're spiritual beings living in a human body vessel. We all have that ability, but I think some of us have a little bit more natural, uh, you know, potential to really tap into that. Um, if, if that's destined to be uh, such, but, um, you know, I, my first experience ever was trying to prove to a friend that was a really crazy skeptic that ghosts were real. And, you know, I watched all these shows. I mean, I was obsessed with horror movies as a kid. I, I was reading Stephen King novels in fourth grade, and I would watch all these documentaries like Unsolved Mysteries, Sightings. And, you know, when it started to go a little bit later, like A Haunting, I loved watching these shows and hearing about these people's amazing stories and really gave like validity. I really believe these people, what they experienced, but I never had an experience until I tried to experience something. Well, I had him try to have something experienced to him that one night. I took him to a cemetery that had a, a lure of three women in white that would chase you out of the cemetery. And in that process, he's laughing in the entire night. I'm sitting there in front of this little girl's grave. Her name was Jenny. And, you know, I had a flip phone at the time and I was just recording some little pieces of audio. And um, I'll never forget, like the next night, I just decided to listen back you know, after my friend thought it was a joke the entire time. And I had a child's voice say something creepy and an EVP in that defining moment, you know, my two toys died in a child's mm -hmm. voice. And it was just chilling. It was like, freaked me out. And then I started listening to more EVPs from that night from little audio clips. And I'd hear someone say muerto, which is Spanish for death and grunts and groans. And I was just like, wow, like this wasn't just me believing anymore. This opened me up to this this, this whole direction, I, I guess I was destined uh, and meant to be a part of and took me there. And actually two to three weeks after that initial experience of this little girl responding to me, I woke up and it was light out. It was even light out. 
And I saw a shadow of a little girl in the corner of my bed and I just jumped up and that was it. I mean, things started to happen to me. I feel like I was skipping grades uh, of paranormal experience immediately. And I was having a spiritual awakening and I was just, you know, and then there was an experience that I had that I wrote about in my first book that there was a, sto a story of a house where there was a double, um, you know, suicide murder that took place. And, you know, after watching all these shows, um, I went by this house without even going on the property and I recorded some EVPs and because this mother was killed, uh, bludgeoned to death. And then the husband, the stepfather jumped off the bridge, killed himself. And then, you know, when the daughter who found the mother who ended up dying um, to the same age of her mother, she ended up jumping off the same bridge the stepfather did. And I just knew that that place was haunted. And I got some EVPs of saying, help me, I'm here and I'm stuck and screaming. And I just had this scenario in my head from watching all these paranormal shows of, uh, say, for instance, a haunting or something like that, where, say, for instance, a family moves into a house and they're experiencing paranormal activity and they have a medium come in there and they say, look, the, the father killed the family and um, he, he doesn't want to be accountable or judged for what he's done. And he's trapping these souls here and keeping them from crossing over, too. So one night I took holy water from my dad and without even stepping on the property, I just threw holy water on the front, you know, the part of the property. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, if this poor daughter and mother are stuck here or who lost their lives, tried to let them go. And that also brought started to bring, you know, darkness after me for helping this spirit, I believe. And the spirit of this girl followed me for about two months. Um, and that's where I didn't realize at that time I was such a novice, but I was using some sort of religious provocation, which invited these things um, to come to come into my life. But I feel like that kind of drew me into the demonology aspect. And I started going on some podcasts and people were telling me you have a calling. I'm like, what do you mean? You know, and it kind of drew me into the demonology aspect and reading books about the Warrens and you know, uh, my mentor, Ralph Sarchi, who has worked with the Warrens and ended up working with Mal Malachi Martin and Bishop McKenna are probably most res respected um, exorcists of our time. And, you know, bringing all this stuff to me. Um, and even actually, just to give you a little extra tidbit here, like three years before I got involved in the paranormal, and these are all things I discovered too later. Um, there was a girlfriend of mine that was coming over to uh, the house at the time that I was, st I was staying at. I had like four roommates. We were renting out a house. She never told me this story until three years later when I started posting things about the paranormal because she thought I would have thought she was crazy. But she said one night she pulled up to come and hang out and saw this black hooded thing staring right in the window of my room um, and turned its face and had black eyes and everything just disappeared. She said it was the most terrifying thing she ever saw. And it's just like these little omen things. And I, I feel like these things were watching me and knew what kind of work I'd be involved with before I got involved, obviously there's no conception of time in the spirit realm, past, present, future, all the same yeah. thing. And they kind of, these things kind of have an idea um, of, of people that are going to, they're going to be going up against or encountering. So yeah, it's been a crazy ride. <laughs> yeah. And you're just kind of going with the flow that you're dancing between the, the fate and the destiny and then your free will of where you're going. I love that. And doors open when we do that. And yeah. have you, have you noticed, cause I think, I certainly have that paranormal um, activity is on the increase. Yeah. And I think part of it also is because of the, probably the broadened perspectives of human beings, more people being open to this stuff. Cause I think you'd agree like 30, 40 years ago, I mean, you'd be lucky to find a parapsychologist in the yellow pages to get some sort of help in that department. And if you even, if you even talked about a haunting in your house, they'd probably want to chase you out of the neighborhood with like porch pitchforks and fire torches and stuff like that i mean nowadays people know that 
not only do they believe in spirits, but also there's a tension that comes with it. So then you have people that want their houses to be haunted. They want to be, you know, it's a, it, it's the coin has flipped on that. So yes. I think a lot of that does attract more paranormal activity because when we're all believing and acknowledging, we know energy um, spirits get energy from acknowledgement. And that's why when you do these residential homes and tell them is that, you know, paying attention to it draws them to you. Um, so I think that's definitely a, a factor at play for sure. Yeah, I do too. It, Cause it's, it's in front of us. And one reason I think it's sort of in front of us. And I say that a lot is because the world is scary right now. We know that the world is scary pandemics and all this stuff going on. So traditionally people would go back to their faith, which people are go back to church, go back to temple, go back to mosque, whatever, like help me. Cause it's scary out there. Uh, that's not keeping up for a lot of people. They're not it's not fulfilling a lot of people. So a lot of more alternative belief systems, new age, witchcraft is growing out of pagan religions because you want to know there's something more. But I think there is a whole large group of people that I don't want this to be about religion. I don't want this even spirituality, but I really want to know there's something more out there than I see on TV every night with the scary TV. I want to know there's something if we all blow up tomorrow. And they're becoming paranormal investigators. They're starting uh -huh. to get interested in ghosty TV and investigations and working with the other side. Now, I think as a rule, a whole lot of them then backdoor into a belief system or rediscover their faith or a faith or something new to navigate it. But uh -huh. I just see that all the time. It's just getting bigger and bigger. It's like, because it, it's a scary world. So let's escape it a little bit to also know that there's something bigger. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you know how easy it is. I mean, when I first started going out to cemeteries, I just go out there with a recorder and, you know, I'd progress and maybe get a K2 and wow, it's a spirit box. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can actually talk yeah. in real time with these things. I mean, yeah, I mean, to get your first EVP and know that no one else is around and there's an intelligent human voice that we can all agree is responding to an intelligent question you're asking. I mean, you can get evidence pretty, pretty damn quickly. Um, and once you open up that doorway and that veil starts to lift i mean i mean you know it could be a tsunami of uh paranormal uh, experiences and attitude and perspectives of your daily life it changed my life the way i looked at everything and here i am 13 years later doing this it's just <laughs> still mind-blowing but <laughs> accustomed to a lot <laughs> not the plan you had figured out you know before 13 years ago <laughs> no uh, um so as how, how does it affect your day-to-day -day life besides the fact that this has become who you are now both in protection wise being as you know we have doors open we have open 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 signs on us people that are gifted do you have to do extra things like protection within your home because you live in this world or do you work oh, on your belief uh, system your faith i mean 100 percent. I and mean, obviously i'm catholic i i consider myself catholic and spiritual um you know combined um but you know, yeah, I bless my place constantly. Um, you know, I'm saying protection prayers and bless medals and stuff. I mean, you know, again, because I'm sensitive and I believe because of my aura that I think there's a specific characteristic to the light that spirits are drawn to because they have a better chance to be felt, heard or seen by you, just like they do with children. Um, they're going to gravitate towards you now also because of the attitude that I approach the paranormal to this day is that I always offer to pray for spirits and try to cross them over, which I've pissed off some pretty um, evil spirits along the way, which is actually the inspiration to one of the stories in my first book, Shadow Chaser, which ended up being the documentary Malefice, a true story of a demonic haunting, which is my most 
proudest um, paranormal film project I've been a part of because it's so personal to me and the amount of evidence that backed up my experiences and everything. But that story really is about, about going to a location. And I believe I crossed over two female spirits that were trapped by some sort of demonic uh, force and the, the man that may have killed them in life. And it stood with me for many years and wanted to take revenge. And I, I obviously you can't destroy evil. You just displace it somewhere else. And I did an exorcism on that property, the ritual, but then it's something that I think it's always out there and kind of referencing. It's going to be something there that's always trying to find a crack in my aura to take its revenge somehow. And it's something I could do. I got to carry that cross. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yes, I have crossed a few too. I, I think a lot spirits hang out because they can and they're not stuck. But you get into some of this dark stuff. Um, a few places that I've been like, oh, yeah, you're being held, whether it's something demonic or an egregore created or so much has created this thing. It's. Yeah, it's, I mean. It's, it's, it's hard to even explain. I mean, I remember even once I was on Ghost Adventures and we yeah. were at the Black Dahlia house. Everybody knows Elizabeth Short and Black Dahlia. We literally, I was there with Fauna Hodel, who is George Hodel's granddaughter, maybe daughter. And she had promised her mother Tamar that we would cross over this one spirit that this mother had seen and be able to. And we, we did it. Of course, you never see it on TV. It didn't fit with the style of the show and everything. Been but it times. was the most, yeah, exactly. That's the show I want out there, somewhere where you show this other end of things. You show what yeah. you can clear it out, where you can bring the light back. And that was, that to me, my proudest um, part, uh, the fact that I was part of the show Ghost Loop, it was like I brought that yes. element on the show because, I mean, screw everything else like the fact is is that i wanted to do what i was presenting to people was praying for the spirits and leaving the spirit box on to give some sort of validation towards the notion of what event is taking place and having these these spirits pray with me uh on spirit box and say thank you i'm going to heaven it's very yeah. moving it's very powerful and this is something i've been doing on live streams in front of thousands of people throughout the years it's like and when people see that stuff, it's, you know, I don't think these spirits are going to be trying to patronize me to, to tickle my ego. Like I've felt the emotions of this stuff. And again, I felt the repercussions of evil spirits pissed off me for years and probably for the rest of my life because of what I have done, um, stepping in the way of evil, which I think you make yourself an adversary to the enemy of man. you got to deal with that. Um, but, you know, it's, it's powerful to put that element out there. And, and I think that's more of what people need to see, not just the eccentric horror movie cinematic stuff. I mean, it is scary, but if you know evil exists, you got to know that good exists. And you got to know that light will always conquer darkness in the end. We're in a place and live in a, in, a, in, a, in a planet that has darkness and light. And, you know, we have to deal with that. But it also gives us the opportunity to learn. Um, with the environment that we live in, because there is evil and there's good here. You know, I mean, the, the, the abilities of human beings and, you know, what we can actually do for the, the sake of good and being a representation of the light that God stands for, unconditional love and forgiveness, is why God created us in the first place. Now, those dark and evil demonic spirits is the exact reason why they hate us, because they don't want to give up any sort of higher knowledge to a creature that has no higher knowledge. We don't know. We're basing it off faith. Everything's based off faith and what we believe and what we're, we experience throughout our lives or whatever lives we're brought up in. Um, and, you know, they don't want to worship a creature that has that. That's why they fought God in the first place. Um, but, you know, there's there's real special 
um, opportunities. And that's why our souls came here to live in this planet. I believe truly to progress as a soul and bring a brightness to our soul by having the ability to have a free will choice to make the right choice, or the wrong choice, and how we affect people negatively and positively with those actions. Is it a representation of darkness or is it light? That's up to you. I agree wholeheartedly. I use different words. I'm not Catholic. Or, I'm, I'm a witch and pagan, but 100% yeah. I agree with everything you said. Um, and I do seem too that light beats dark. I, you bring a candle, my example, you bring a candle into a, a dark room, you've just brought in the light. Yes, you're going to see those scary shadows created by the dark, but you've brought in the light. So, mm -hmm. and we do have this free will thing, which is awesome. How much of your work that you do? Well, I know because you are demonologist and demonologist trained, it, it, how much do you think is really demonic out there? Do, do you think a lot of times it's it, what I think sometimes it's just cranky ghosts being want to be demons or how much de demonic stuff do you think is really out there now? I mean, you know, a lot of them are human spirits. They can be tricky. Now you could go into a place and all of a sudden a voice comes through a spirit box or an EVP saying Satan. It's like, it could be a human spirit just playing games. But you know, from my experience and doing it throughout the years is like, there's certain characteristics I'd be looking for. Uh, you know, if they're scratching on the walls, foul smells that don't have rational explanations for it, you know, constant, mm -hmm. you know, scratches or bruises, uh, bite marks. I mean, you know, if they're, you know, there's certain things, but then I also use my also intuitive ability um, to kind of pick up on, you know, is something telling me, am I getting that impression that we're dealing with some sort of inhuman spirit? And I would base the investigation myself as a piece of equipment. And then the other natural equipment that we use in investigations to come up with that uh, assumption. And then I would approach it, obviously how I approach it would either bless the home if it's a human spirit, or I would do the exorcism ritual if it's, if I believe it's some sort of infestation. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I agree too. What is your most either scariest or else most profound moment or story that you have, whether on television or not, that where you just saw the work that you do and what happens? I mean, I'll give you one example to bring it back to that story, which it's yeah. going to be one of my standouts for sure. Um, Please. Is that after I prayed for those women, um, it was the first time ever, and this is all on video and from back in 2015, that's part of the documentary. And I'd love to send you a screener, Patty, so you can watch it. I'd love to have I would your perspective love it. on it. Um, Please. To, you know, because it's just such a, it, it's such a unique story because it's not like I had to go back to this house because a family's experiencing something. We're talking about stakes and events that took place in the spiritual plane that I did something that I had to return back to because that was, I did, to me, it's like I took a soul away from the devil. And, and in my interpretation of this is like, I go, we go into these homes because these dark energies want to take ownership of the souls of these people. And, you know, we try to stop that from happening. But in this case, these souls of this woman, and I don't know why, how or why they were trapped in the first place, but because of what I did, I somehow, you know, God allowed this for these souls to be taken back into the light. So when I prayed for them, it was the first time ever that I actually got a clairvoyant image of a white dove. And now, now, when I pray for spirits, for a female, I'd see a white dove and that would be a symbol where like, oh my gosh, I think a female is going to cross over and then a male would be a white horse. So obviously I think with some of us who are sensitive, it's kind of like a game of spiritual charades. They'll give you images that would be some sort of symbolic nature towards something that would mean, all right, this is what it means. Um, but anyways, I prayed for those women. Um, now I'll step back and just tell you just a little bit about it is that... Um, you know, this how we went to go investigate this place. It was like a brothel speakeasy um, out in Ohio. 
And I didn't know much about it, but we got permission to like be on the property for a couple of days, investigate this place. And there was a cabin across the street, uh, not a cabin, like a house, but in the woods. And, um, you know, they were giving us the tour and really beautiful property, very haunted. There's a lot of stuff around. But when they give us the tour of the place that we were sleeping, as soon as I walked in this place, I'm just like, there's something wrong here. And I was drawn to go down in the basement. My equilibrium was off. And I'm just like, just something's off here. Like, it's great that we're sleeping here for the next, you know, two or three days or whatever. And um, so anyways, we investigate the first night, crazy activity. And I'm like, we got to check out where we're sleeping, man, because something's just off. So when we went out there down to the basement, our first night there, and I was getting clairvoyant images of like torture equipment. And I feel like this man, some of these women were being tortured and, you know, sexually assaulted and, and killed um, ultimately. And, um, you know, I had just I slept the first night with my rosary next to me on the bed in a circle and foul smells were coming out of nowhere in the house. And like when I woke up, the rosary was all the way on the furthest corner of the queen size bed and upside down pile. Like, there's no way that I could have got wow. over there no matter how much I could have moved. And I'm just like, this thing moved my rosary and like, there's so much that happened anyways. But so the next day we had the curators there and I'm like, all right, something, something bad here happened on, cause this all was the same property. And I'm like, something bad happened here. And like, well, we really don't like to talk about it, but there was some sort of evil doctor doing illegal abortions on the prostitutes. And they were saying that there's, they're saying that the babies were buried on the property. So I'm like, this is all starting to connect. I feel like this evil doctor was the one that was probably taking these women from the late 1800s, early 1900s, and probably no one would notice and probably killing and torching them and doing this sort of thing. So that's basically, we started to unfold and these women were asking for help and warning me about how evil it was and all this crazy stuff happened. So when I prayed for them, you know, after this initial moment, you know, I started to hear in my head psychically, you have hell to pay, you have hell to pay. And I, you know, um, I left the property and I'll never forget. I stayed at a hotel nearby that first night and um, I was dozing off. And it was the first time I, I just saw this straight up demon, man, black horns, yellow glowing reptilian eyes and fangs. And I had this yeah. downward stare in it, it was it was a stare that stared into my soul. That's the best way I can explain it. Like it saw through me and it was just gave the most unsettling feeling I ever had. I jumped up through holy water on my apartment. So the next day I ended up driving back to New York because I was living in New York at the time. It was like seven or eight hour drive. And I was so exhausted from all the investigating and all the, the stuff and you can be drained from that. I probably should have blessed my place, but I just like passed. I was dozing off and I just saw this shadow dot around my bed and there's drawings of this in the in the book and in the documentary but i just saw this guy standing my my bed he looked like a zombie with his mouth you know hanging off and he's just doing this to me like you're dead and wow. then all of a sudden i saw this shadow at the corner of my bed with horns and i think i'm presuming it's the same red faced demon that i saw before and it spoke to me and when it spoke it was like through a subwoofer in the room and it just said there are rules and i'm just like you know, I woke up from that. I'm just like, what the hell does that mean? You know, I'm just like, I was very, very perplexed by this profound statement by this evil spirit. What is he saying to me? Are they talking about that? I cross over these spirits. Like what rules are you referring to now? It wasn't even in the documentary, but after that I had red marks that were showing up on my wrist on top of my feet. And I, and I don't know, I'm not saying it's stigmata. I was just like, I, I don't know what it is. You know, I'm not saying it is but whatever. And this thing followed me for like five years, met, um, referencing itself. 
you know, you have hell to pay. You took those women away from me. Now, I believe he was some sort of Freemason as well. And he's referred to in the spirit boxes as a Mason and many times in the house, too. Um, so I think he was like a Freemason doctor. Like, I, I don't know, like, really what. But, um, yeah, it sat with me for five years and it started to mess with something in a, in a potential relationship with someone. And it took credit for it. And I had experiences backing it up, laughing at me about it. And um, I knew I had to return back to this house to validate my experiences five years ago and ultimately try to say, let's get this thing out of here and displace it once for all. So we went back there and filmed for four days. And the amount of evidence that we got is just insane. There was so much paranormal evidence, we couldn't even fit it in the documentary. Um, but, you know, like I said, I'll, I'll never forget the moment. And it's on the documentary. I'm sitting there. It comes through the spirit box and it goes, the rules have changed. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, well, who who changed the rules? And it came through the spirit box, said God. And it was just like it gave me such chills because, um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just like God is the only one that could have taken his souls and allowed them to come into the light because of my free will decision, because of my intent and in trying to create an environment to allow them to go into the light. And that's why this I believe this demon was saying there are rules, because somehow they had permission to have these souls. And I'll never know until my last breath of what really took place in the spiritual plane because of what I did. Um, but, um, you know, so it was just a very unique story. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that really stands out as, as one of the, one of the really unique creepy ones for sure. So when you went back after five years of being kind of tormented by this demon, did, is that when it went away? Is that when you got your full power back or? Yeah, after I went there and did the exorcism ritual in the house, like I felt rid of it. Now, mind you, because I constantly investigate and you go to dark places is that when there's dark things there and there's doorways and portals, you hear references still like this, this stuff's out there. And to be honest with you, I was even in, you know, while well, I was filming 28 Days Haunted and I had something disturbing happen to me associated with this case because we were there for that long. And to be honest with you. I mean, hey, I don't judge people who mess around with Ouija boards, but like, you know, obviously in my opinion is like, it can be very dangerous. And, you know, they were, they were doing the Ouija board. I'm like, I'm not taking part of that, but I'm like, you know, guys, we got to stick around here. We got to be stuck in here for a long time. And it's just like, when you mess around with that stuff and try to invite more stuff into this property and we can't leave, these dark energies know that we're stuck here and we're like turning into gerbils on a, you know, a <laughs> wheel at this point, you know, and they're going to start using us as ploys and divisive mechanisms and methods to try to cause havoc but i'll never forget that one night they were messing around with the ouija board and i was upstairs kind of dozing off and i just I had a very profound vision and the first thing that i saw was what i believe archangel michael and he was floating above like thousands of shadow figures and he i could see like the metal plate <clears throat> on his chest big wings and a sword and he was looking down at these shadow figures like they were peasants like peons and then he started aiming up with his sword towards the sky. And then he looked down upon me and he goes, keep following the way of the cross. And then this image changed. And then I saw this black hooded thing is probably one of the most disturbing things that I've seen to this day. And it had reptilian eyes and scales on its face. I couldn't see all the facial features, but the most disturbing part, because this thing was screaming at me, how dare you do what you did? You swine and, you know, yelling and just saying nasty stuff. It had like three i don't know how many look like three hands that were coming from behind its face like almost like a helmet on both sides and the hands were alive but they were baby hands and, and, and arms and it's the demon that came through on that property 
over and over again um, that's associated with child sacrifice. Wow, that's yeah, that's wild. That is that's scary. <laughs> Baby hands <laughs> on a demon. Yeah, no, I have not experienced that. Don't yeah. plan to experience that. But so you really <laughs> trained in into dream demonology too. You were working with the detective with Ralph, yes. right? So. Yes. Um, I, I, I'm going to go back to what I even asked before. How often do you have to go there and, and do that kind of exorcism or be a demonologist in this crazy world? Um, you know, it happens from time to time. Like I have, you know, one case that sounds like it's legit. I'm getting a feeling that it's, it could be, it's kind of like I have to go and investigate it first. And, but no, I'm most of the times it's just human spirit stuff. Um, I, you know, what's interesting is that when certain houses like have like a portal or even places that I just go investigate to do research and do an investigation, like, I don't know if you're experienced, but like when there's a portal, like you'll go into a property, it's very confusing to try to communicate with the spirits or that are from the location you're in, because a lot of the other spirits that of you've course. encountered from other places will start coming through while you're there at the location, trying to uncover that association um, and I think that happens sometimes in these places as well. Um, cause I mean, we're so in, endowed and in, in deep in depth into all these places that we've encountered all these different types of spirits. But I mean, most of them are human spirits and then you get the occasional things, but again, I mean, it's a calling that be a demonologist. And they say, a lot of people have said, um, that these types of cases do get drawn to you. They kind of come mm -hmm. out of nowhere and somehow the universe just opens up that door and it kind of there it is. It's, it's kind of strange how it works, but, um, you know, most of the time it, it is human spirits. Okay. Yeah. Well, I do. I think we create the world we live in and a lot of things and you have, you've, that is a gift you have and that's where you're led and that's, they will open up those doors. I am mm -hmm. not a demonologist, so I don't have to go. <laughs> I mean, I've certainly worked with my dark, dark spirits and I'm sure many have been demonic, but I, I like my little world. Yeah. So, a lot of people feel the same way. Yeah. Um, again, but I study, I train, I study philosophy, religion, science, occult science, everything too. So we have to be smart in what we're doing always. Sure. Because they're smart. Um, but let's move, let's go lighten up a little bit. Tell me about your music and what your how your music has been inspired by your work. And uh well, yeah. I'm partial to um, musicians. Tell us about Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah i mean yeah wow uh what an experience so um well anyways my first passion before i got involved in the paranormal was being a singer songwriter i wanted to be a performer and always be you know out there playing live shows and stuff and when the paranormal kind of hit me it was like a meteor out of the sky and kind of took me off in a, a little bit slight different direction it was like a different passion was taking over and and obviously here i am but that still is a core element for me. And I, I love writing and I love creating and, and, and being a part of being an artist and stuff like that. But, um, you know, with the mercy thing. Um, so I was called on to the 28 days haunted thing last minute um, out of nowhere. And um, I basically had to think it over like uh, over, like over a course of like a few days. Um, and, you know, I had a Paracon that weekend and I was busy all weekend. I basically had to say, okay, I'm going to do this. And after being at Paracon till 6 p.m. on Sunday, I had to go straight home and pack and know that I was going to disappear and go off the grid for 28 days that night. Yeah. Um, and I thought to myself, okay, so I'm not going to have any connection to the outside world. Like, 
you know, my acoustic guitar. I'm like, that's something that maybe I can ask them, make sure it's okay. Can I bring it? Because for my downtime, that's pleasurable to me. That's therapeutic to me, playing the guitar and writing songs and just, you know, having that escape. Because I mean, I think music and writing for me has been kind of been the invisible therapist throughout years, like it is for many people. And so I brought it with me. And then as we started progressing, investigating the, um, you know, Captain Grant's, um, you know, this started to unravel about the the story with the, you know, Mercy Adelaide and her husband, Captain Grant, and getting EVPs of her saying, you know, I'm here without my captain and and so forth. And um, she'd visit me in my, my bedroom while I'm sleeping. And I, I at the time, I didn't know it was her because there's so many different spirits that were there. Um, but I saw a lady in like long grayish hair, you know, in a dress and so forth. And um but um, later on, I, I discovered, I feel like, you know, it was obviously her. But um, as it progressed with this sad story and tapping into that every day, um, there was one moment where we're at, we were at their grave and I had this psychic vision that she would um, write these notes um, to him, even after he was gone, like poetically. And mm. I said it on camera and I said, you know, I savor the lips of the breath of each day. Um, life is enduring without you. Um, the wind is my only company. And I could see her writing this, looking out the window as if like he was just coming back to her and walking towards the property. Because in those days, someone disappears. It's like they could come back tomorrow, next month or never at all. Like You could just sit there guesstimate, you know, guessing. Um, and it was just so profoundly insane to even think about or fathom. Um, so I said this and then um, we got back to the house and I was just like, you know, I started playing around with the guitar, you know, coming up with some like ideas and I came up with like five or six songs. And, you know, I usually hum melodies before I write a song. And one of the songs was really haunting to me. And I thought to myself, you know, when I go home, you know, I'm going to finish writing this. I think I'm going to write it about her loss to her love because I'm sitting here and I feel a part of that every day, this emotion. And, you know, again, I, I felt like I was more of one of the earthbound souls in the spiritual plane on that property than I was a human being, because I mean, that's all wow. we were doing. We were, we were like one of the ghosts on the property. I mean, that's all we knew 24 seven and, you know, and being that, that isolation, I mean, you know, the two guys that I was in the house with, they were friends for 12 years. I'm the outside guy. I don't have anybody to like really connect with or know that well. And, you know, it was it, being sensitive on top of it. So I was just like, it was, you know, it was intense in, in different ways for me from them. Um, but I kind of told everyone, like, you know what, like when I go home, I'm going to take some of those words that I psychically believe that she was writing to him and I'll meld it with my own words. Now I continued to play this song around the house and outside by myself and just humming that melody to this haunting song that I came up with. And so all of a sudden one night now you see part of this on the show, I'm sitting in the room in a chair and I was getting, starting to get visions, but it goes a lot deeper than that. Um, is that I was sitting there and, um, you know, the first, I think one of the first things I saw was like, she, I saw a golden locket open up and it was like a beautiful woman with brown hair. Now everything was connecting in my head. And I just knew that she was showing me when she was a young, beautiful woman. And I knew when I saw her in my bed, she was like an older woman at the end of her life. Now she did live there, I think till the end, I mean, until her seventies or something like that. So I think she was showing me two parts. She was really connecting with me. Um, and then I saw a vision as, as if I was looking through someone's eyes um, and I could see a ship going off in the distance. Um, 
and uh, I could see these two big rock mounds in the water. And I don't know if I was looking through her eyes or somebody else. Now, if you see this, this here, which I'll get to in a moment, um, you know, why I created and why this cover here looks like this. But um, after that, um, I, you know, I could see like the back of a head, which I believe was the captain and he was dodging something um, like, I don't know if they were in a storm or whatever it may be, but I think she was showing me and I kept on hearing shipwreck, shipwreck. So then all of a sudden, like this emotion started to hit me like a little, little bit. And then all of a sudden, I don't know, it intertwined with something I went through with somebody else. It was actually what happened to me with that evil spirit the year before. And I, I, that, that, that heartache, I, I don't know. It's like, I intertwined with her so much and out of nowhere, out of nowhere, I'm sitting there in my head and I literally start to hear the acoustic chords to the song that I had wrote for her playing in my head. And this connection to her, I realized that she knew that I was going to write that song for her. And the emotion hit me and I feel about it right now. Me too. I, start, I started to like sob. I started to like cry and I'm like, stop. I can't handle it. Stop it, please. I can't, I can't handle it. And I had to get up from my chair and run outside to the side door and air because it was so intense and I could not stop. I was just like, I was just like, I can't stop. It's coming down. I'm like, I just can't, I can't stop. I'm like, I felt her decades of heartache and it was intertwining with heartache that I'd experienced. And I remember sitting there with the door open and I was just like, I could hear her voice. And she said to me, you captured my essence. You were meant to come here. And so the next morning when I woke up, now I had a, I had a recorder next to me. It was actually an old phone, wasn't hooked up to the internet, but I, I can record audio with it for EVPs. So I had it next to me and I listened to the recording and I, I can't even begin to tell you when I discovered what I had captured. It was just like, oh, like right before you hear me saying, oh my God, I can hear the chords in my head. She knows I'm going to write a song about her. She's humming the melody to the song that I came up with in the house. Wow. Like, and I freak out, I run to my acoustic guitar and I record with my burner phone, the two chords uh, of the song. And I take her disembodied voice and I put it on top of the acoustic chords and she's humming the two parts in perfect key to not my perfect tuned guitar. And I'm just like freaking out. Like, this is insane. Like, I, I can't even like comprehend this. And obviously I showed everybody this and that. And I'm just like, and even when I, took some noise away when you hear her humming like it sounds like almost like waves are crashing it's just so eerie so crazy wow this is really why i was so drawn and on the show if you've seen the show i took flowers from the property i'm like i i gotta go put flowers at her grave like i was such an emotional experience for me that i and i said there whether it was on the in this moment i didn't care about the show i didn't care about what we were filming i knew in this moment i had something very special happening to me and and nothing else mattered but that None of it else mattered. This was something special. And I, I wanted to share this story and I knew it'd be a part of my lectures for the rest of my life. Cause it's so beautiful. It's so mm. wonderful. I mean, the, 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 the validation of psychic ability, the telepathy to love, to, you know, what love does relationships and the loss and what we experience and how love can transcend and still go on way past after we leave here. It's so powerful. Um, you know, so I sat there with Rose, you know, flowers at the grave and I said, I'm going to write this song and I'm, you know, I'm going to do it justice and for you. And, you know, I left that, um, you know, the, the filming and uh, I went to Nashville and I recorded the song. I finished the lyrics and I called the song Mercy. Now, mind you, Mercy has dual meaning because 
Mercy's like stop the pain from happening. And that's her name. So I called it Mercy Incorporated. Now the first line of the song are the words that I felt like wrote for um, the captain. And if you look at the cover, now when I told the guy to make the art for this cover, this was the vision that I had seen, like the ship off in the distance. So I say, look, just just can you create a really like haunting scene with a ship in the background, put a guitar, acoustic guitar in the sand and like a lady in white with dark hair. And you know what's really interesting is that I never told him that I had a vision of two rock mounds in the water and there he put them in mysteriously without me telling me about them which i thought was started to begin to some of these weird things that this my connectivity to the story now yeah when now i also took her humming and i put her humming as a part of the song in the background so we put this effect on it and it has this swishing noise that kind of floats in the background is that this atmospheric um, effect so she's part of the song and because she's like I believe those some of those words I put in there. It's like I co-wrote a song with a ghost. And, you know, um, when I got the final mix um, from the uh, producer, um, you know, I had a vision of this girl in a dress giving me a curtsy. I know she was saying thank you for doing this for me. This I'm just blown away. You're going to have to come back. We are running out of time, but I have yeah. a thousand questions for you. But I know my people right now are going, how do we find out about this guy? So please tell us where they can find you on the internet, on social media, yeah. and hear music. Absolutely. So if you want to watch the full story about this whole thing, this song, I did a music video for the song. Uh, the link's right here. Um, I think somewhere in the chat. But if you just type in that's the link. Um, we did, I did a 20 minute like documentary telling the story, more weird things that happened. You can hear the humming and the music video dedication to her um, song. You can go there, but most of my social media is just Sean D Austin. Like it says here um, with my name um, on most social media stuff. I go live a lot on TikTok and YouTube back and forth and live investigations and stuff. Okay. That, cause I, this may be the first, you know, co-done song by a spirit and a human. I mean, that's pretty awesome um so yeah it's thank pretty you. unique i can't wait i'm going to go download it right now you guys check <laughs> it out sean d austin follow him on social media check out all he's you know him again from from ghost loop from 28 days haunted i'm sure any other projects you have coming up people can say see you anywhere any upcoming events or paracons yes so a lot of the uh, documentaries i'm doing and i've filmed more i just did one with shane pittman from holzer files did a docuseries about a really crazy um place that we just investigated scarenetwork.tv it's a new streaming platform i'm a partner with a buddy of mine um there's an app on roku firestick and apple ios um you know you can go on there and check on and, and rent titles or subscribe and stuff like that so we're putting a lot of content up there Awesome. You guys, thank you, Sean. Thank you for bringing your magic to the witching hour. Keep up the amazing work. It's much needed out there. And thank you, everybody. So again, follow him, like him, check him out. And let's all hear some mercy. So thank you for coming <laughs> to the witching hour. Thank you.